0: Who would have thought? Wait, it's very exciting to greet and meet, well, somehow we will, all of you. This is Talk Cosmos, and I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host. And tonight is December 19th, 2021. And remarkably, across the globe, astrologers are talking, not always astrologers. It's the mainstream, it's on the news, it's in everywhere. The Christmas star, as often is referred, the grand conjunction of the gas planets, Jupiter and Saturn. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I suddenly was out there in the universe floating away because they're a big gas. They're gas, they're floating. Tonight's subject, because last week we spoke about that, and this week is really about the wonderful, um, and you could even say miraculous in a way because we're all experiencing this and we're experiencing life on such a global, interconnected uh, experience since COVID, our demise, but yet what we're struggling through to reinvent and re just like Talk Cosmos right here is now YouTube, besides podcast, we're not leaving anything, we're integrating everything. So what I'm referring to is air. This 20-year conjunction, which last happened in 2000 in Taurus, was the very last of the Earth signs. It's this 800-year cycle. There's four elements. And it went from Earth, which has to do about form. You can touch Earth. It's physical. It's real. We know it's there. Well, we think we know it's there. It's mostly space, right? Atoms are space. Not to deviate too much. But the point is, is that at the end of cycles, often the world as it orbits toggles a little bit, you could say, and it went into Libra in 1980. In December 21st, at, on the East Coast, 12.20 p.m. and on the West Coast, 10.20 a.m., And Hawaii, where I am, I have to throw it in, 8.20 in the morning, thank you. The world, the social energies, which these two giant gravitational planets in our solar system are in Aquarius, a fixed air sign. What is that about? Well, let's find out, because this is Talk Cosmos Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of
1: Planet Buzz.
0: I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly stories to poetry i love investigating mythology's language philosophizing eternity and i'm a perpetual student of life seeing oneness of body spirit of people animals and nature i'm leslie francis
2: author of the 2019 and 2020 llewellyn sun Sign books a practicing professional astrologer intuitive a lecturer and host of my own podcast, Coloring Outside the Box. My lifelong search to understand what it is to be human led me to develop my own approach to astrology called Purpose-Centered Astrology. I passionately seek to support people in their greatest act of creativity, living life, through consultations and webinars. Creator of Star Cards, I love talking
3: and making people laugh. I'm Tara All an astrologer, writer, and artist who loves spirituality and metaphysics. I practice and teach evolutionary astrology, and I work with the tarot, crystals, hermeticism, and animal medicine. My approach is creative and experiential, and I created a YouTube video series called We Are the Planets through EA Zoom meetings. I also speak at conferences. Currently, I'm the resident astrologer and lead writer for Sage Goddess, and I serve on the ESAR board as marketing director.
1: And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog I have written for the mountain astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research.
0: And as the ancient hermetic code reveals, as below, so above, as above, so below. And to just begin this introduction of our two new members now with Planet Buzz, It has been Dr. Laura Tad and myself for the past year. And we are expanding with Tara and of Los Angeles and Leslie Francis, as we said, of Canada. So we're mixing up between many spots, one in Georgia with Laura and Tara's down in Los Angeles, as I just said, and Leslie in Canada, and I'm in Hawaii. So (laughs) the air is everywhere. And I will say that air connects all. It is an element that is a f- intermediary with water. It has a symbiotic relationship that's always evaporating and condensing for circulation and touches and feeds the entire nation between, when I say nation, I, I'm thinking nation of, of, of humanity, really. And with fire, fire, it feeds fire Uh you can say that on a soul basis. And with Earth, it has a deep relationship to Earth because trees grow in Earth and that soil. And it, the trees, along with algae and the ocean, exchange oxygen, uh, it, it, it taking in carbon. So we will now go to Terra. No, we'll go to Laura. That's right. We changed our little system. Dr. Tad. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Art of Tara,
3: that's good. I, it's fine, I go. I'm fine to go. Okay. And, and I can, um, I, I, that's on my list too. Air. So as we move into this new era of air, um, for me, just like Sue, you were saying, air connects everything. But for me, the part that I think is so important here is that air connects us with each other. It also connects the parts within us, like that that energy. And so as we move into this new era, we are really in a space to create new relationships with our mind, with each other, with the planet, you know, our relationships with life itself. I think of the air element as, you know, we we all are made up of what we're made up of, but we can shake all that up and re-alchemize it in a new way. So I'm excited to move into these coming years because I feel like it's time to connect the dots in a new way. And if we can do that mentally, right? If we can get to a new mental space, then we for sure can get to a new space of manifesting things that are better, more sustainable. And I mean, all the things that anybody watching this show are you know, definitely wanting to have happen. Well, we will keep talking about
0: that thread. And Dr. Tad, what would you add to our little synopsis as we're moving along?
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the th- things in astrology is with air is that we also it's so tied to language and communication that the signs that you know, Gemini and Aquarius and Libra, there's this interplay of connection through through ideas and through communication. And so that becoming a a greater theme over these next two centuries as we enter into this new phase of these conjunctions repeatedly happening in the element of air that it bringing it there'll be a greater focus on communication and how we how we communicate what we communicate um, new ideas and increasingly new ways of communicating and we may have seen some of that even in this year in the lead-in because often with big astrological shifts they announce themselves and so seeing how many of us that the role technology has played in this past year for communication for so many people around the globe that that continuing, but also evolving and becoming what we don't even know yet. Um, And so the air element around the communication and how those ideas are exchanged, like the idea of, you know, the trees and the, the exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide that, the exchange of ideas having a a similar tone to them in that way.
0: I love the fact that you said announce. I thought, yes. I mean, it's so verbal. And we are with the notes with Gemini and Sagittarius. So this is appropriate. We're getting linked in. And last and not least, (laughs) Leslie Francis, how would you like to share your thought? Well, it's interesting because
2: I... I... (laughs) I wanted to say that, of course, when we're talking about two energies coming together in uh, in a conjunction, we're talking about an initiation uh, and a new beginning and a new phase holds a lot of promise and there's a lot of, uh, in a sense, almost toing and froing. There's ideas, there's thoughts, there's all kind, and especially since it's in air, it's definitely a lot of new ideas and new ways of communicating, as everyone has said. It's important to remember though, that it is an initiation phase. And this is the part where we, it's like being a bunch of little kids in a playground and we get to run around and and, and they sample a bunch of different things. But for me, and for me, the other thing to remember is that of course, Jupiter is the dispositor of of the current lunar south node. And this means that we have an opportunity to draw on old wisdom, bring it forward, and find new ways of communicating that and and allowing us to connect, uh, not just mentally,
0: but also spiritually. Thank you. Thank you for each. And just quickly, I will say, go to Talk Cosmos. These guests are right there with their bios, if you ever want to connect with any of us or them. Thinking about language and the exchange, considering how we can redeem. Well, there's many ways to go. I'll just throw out one thought because this is a conversation. But I'm thinking that these are great tools to explore for uh, recalibrating, you would say, some of the conflicts that perhaps life has managed to polarize us in.
3: You know. Well, air sign is about objectivity. So part of this is being able to see ourselves objectively, literally see how we've gotten where we've gotten and how we need to make adjustments. So, you know, it's like from earth to air, you you with the earth you're down in it, right? The air you you rise up above it. So at least what I was feeling when you were speaking is yeah, you know, we need we really need to see things, not just differently, but more as they are and I realize that's tricky right because I mean so much of what we create every day is just illusions and things we make up on our heads but I mean to try to see to the truth I think is a big part of what's happening too and we can see that in all the different movements of different things being you know ethical situations all kinds of things coming out of the closet we can see that we're we're ready to bring that out. I have to
0: comment in total support of that Tara because the fact, when you say truth, of course, Jupiter, in its, there's various uh, archetypal energies, as we know, that really are devoted to truth. I mean, Scorpio is devoted to truth. But Sagittarius, too, really looks for its sense of truth. Of course, it is still on the personal, so one can, that opinionation. But Aquarius wants authenticity. So what a combination uh, to kickstart in this seed moment.
2: Yes well I I, I I want to add and in agreement with what you've said there there is also a search uh, a search for a new way to determine what is meaningful in life
0: uh
2: to once again think differently but but objectively and 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 it's funny because I think that often the energy of Aquarius gets a bad rap and and in, in terms of it, it being so detached and to me, there's a difference between detachment and disconnect. And there's no doubt that Aquarius can disconnect if it, if it feels like it's so outside of uh, and feel isolated. And and I think that as we initiate this phase, we are, as much as there's whole so much joy and hope implicit in it, but there's also, um, I want to say, coming to Jesus, as Tara alluded to, Really connected.
3: You, you you gave a lot more emphasis on what I said. Thank you, Leslie. Yeah, I was
0: thinking larger <laughs> well, and and I'm I'm really really chat here as I as a we <laughs> keep jumping. But I'm thinking that idea of detachment is objectivity. Now here we immediately speaking have tied in a lot of the thoughts that we've presented because we're coming to common ground through this word association. Words are tools but Gemini, I really understand that that communicate what a wonderful time though that we can begin to if we if we learn how to address ideas, debate or, or just dialogue rather than um, associating too much personal uh, disdain, of course we have to keep heart going. But the fact is, I just want to throw out that objectivity. Yeah. Dr. Tad, you know, earlier in our little chat, the four of us did, brought up history. Do you want to throw mm-hmm. that in, in a thought right now? Let's
1: sure. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, I always find whenever there's a big astrological shift happening, I want to look back and see what happened before to help inform what's happening currently. Um, and I mean, I have paid just in pages of notes. But even when we're talking about the objectivity piece, one of the things that's interesting is that one of the last cycles, so we're looking at these 800-year cycles, right, of when this conjunction occurs in air. And Oxum's razor was first proposed during one of these cycles, which is one of the founding principles in science of the most, the simplest answer is the right one. And it's basically, was the beginning building block to the scientific method of how to go about having objectivity in research. And so, I mean, it also was very tied in with theology initially, but today it's very much a part of the foundational principle of objective research and inquiry. And so that was very present even, you know, almost a millennia ago. About what time frame was that? So Oxum's razor would have been. I have it here somewhere. (laughs) Um,
0: But it was one of
1: these cycles. Was Um, it back
0: in the 1200s then, possibly? Because I think it was like 1263 that I was reading. You know, we've all read so much in different times, which is an interesting moment in history. When if if one's ever yeah, so thirteen thirteen thirty
1: eight. Oh, right, that
0: would have been
1: right so, in the Renaissance. The early
0: well, the Renaissance. Air, just
1: on the edge of it happened. Beginning, yes. Yeah. I mean, that was part of this air conjunction cycle of eighteen years. Was the early lead-in into the Renaissance. It really wasn't the height of the European yeah. Renaissance, which was l- the water cycle, um, but or the fi- But I think the next. After air is the yeah is the water cycle, so the water cycle was really the height of the Renaissance, um, but because um, the last air cycle went from eleven eighty six to
0: fourteen o five. Well, I was listening to an, uh, Maurice Fernandez and Gemini Brett this morning. They had a four day ceremony that's still in operation and. But we listen to one another in astrology, we, like all conversations, like we're doing now. And it was brought up the fact, and I was thinking, wondering if you saw this too, that, in fact, perhaps you had introduced this idea that in these large time frame cycles that we're looking at 800 years, I think, was because there's four elements, just to tell our listeners that we're so glad to have join us uh, – and each one is in approximately 200 or 240 years. I hear different things. But it is a certain cycle, period of time, I meaning it goes through each of the elements, which are air, water, earth, and fire. Not necessarily in that order. So uh, the point being that it seemed, and you had brought reference, that back 500 BC was one of these very productive times when there were uh, Plato and and many of the Greek uh, Western tradition yeah. that we speak of. But mm-hmm. the point, Ben, that I'll just throw out is is that with the following cycle, there was a reflection back to the previous air cycle, what had been reproduced and reconsidered and thrown out. But there's lots of thoughts there. So,
1: yeah, I mean, that that's definitely part of what I was seeing and looking at the history was that things were Coming back around, right? And that's part of what happens with cycles, even in our own lives, right? If you have a Jupiter return, oh, well, something that was going on for you 12 years ago, it's a peeling of the onion and it's a variation of it, but it thematically may pop up again. And so this is just a much longer cycle that nobody lives through to see. But in doing the research, you know, one of the things that was a cycle that I noticed is so in the five hundred CE, so common era, right, um, is about when we believe if there King Arthur was actually a real person, was the time of Camelot. Well the following cycle that was the most recent one was when we get the first writings of Arthurian legend.
0: Exactly. That goes along with it. And
1: so it's telling the story from the cycle that was 800 years before. And so. Language,
0: I was going to well, say language. Tell, and this goes with Tara and Leslie here too. Language tells our stories, right? Fourth house, cancer, moon. That's one of the elements, you know, by then we have not just the words, but we have the emotion and the, and we're trying to make, anyway, we tell our stories and. Oh boy the threads here as I try to explain to him is just to jump up to the point um so what I'm okay yeah okay that's what I'll say is anyway with that
3: I know one thing that when we were having our pre-meeting we talked about and Dr. Tad you were great to bring this up that we, we need new words. We need to like modernize our myths and our language and how, because we're, we're trying to use old words and old concepts and old ideas that don't fit anymore. And so part of this is like, it's not that the truths aren't still the same, but the way we relate with them today is different. And we, in some ways I think we haven't, we haven't caught up with that. And so I think this period may be a great time for us to really revolutionize words. Like, I know it sounds silly, but think about what an impact words have. We say one word to somebody and they take it one direction, right? And Sue, you brought up the fourth house, uh, Cancer and the Moon. Um, And to me, that's our memory, not just emotional stuff, that's our memories, our emotional embedded memories. Like we hold that in there um, and that doesn't translate easily to words. So it's always, it's always a challenge to figure out how can I connect with you where you're at through language. It's not easy. And we definitely need, I mean, my goodness, we know any of us who spend any time on social media, know we need new ways of
2: just <laughs> <yeah. laughs> yeah, You know what just popped into my head while you were talking, Tara, is that maybe during this cycle of 200 years, we're going to finally come up with a universal language. Yeah. Mm. It's been tried
0: before, Swahili, et cetera. That's so true. And, of course, we have – oh, sorry, Leslie. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Well, I was be getting out of that point. But we have iconic – it's almost like we've reverted back to the Stone Age. We have this little iconic uh, technological messages everywhere in this day and age. And, in fact, now you can go online and try to find out what they mean – but it's almost like it's the uh, cave drawings or something. At least then you knew it was an ox or something like well, that. It's. I really think that you know,
2: since you know, the Saturn, Jupiter cycle has been in Earth, uh, me words have taken on almost, uh, you know, very inflexible meanings. It's, and and so sometimes we often get into discussions and and try to figure: Are we talking about the same? thing because you know like for instance I, I you know we all have emotional responses to certain words I personally do not like the word surrender <laughs> because it means give up to me oh no so if I want to release I will use the word let go I will use the phrase let go and and you know it's, it also ties in that we do have emotional relationships to words However, as we move into this cycle, I'm hoping that we will find deeper or, or different – I don't like the sure. word different. <laughs> Create a language
0: that is more reflective of the world. That Through the heart. We live yes. Through the heart. And that ties in both with Tara was saying is, is that the reason I was relating this about – goes back to your word detached – With objectivity, we can look at 800-year cycle and redefine, this kind of ties in what we're saying, redefine our stories. As we do even within childhood to any time in life, you know, you sit in the corner because you can reflect on what you did and think of options, you know, another perspective. It's the same idea, but here as a culture, because these are cultural planets that are operating, it is a real opportunity for us to navigate
2: forward I, I just i just wanted to say one thing about emojis i i think it's an interesting thing because it's allowing us to to use imagery not just words and maybe it's the transition to a new language i don't know
0: I think you've got a key. And this is Planet Buzz, our new group of great four astrologers. That's Tara All, Leslie Francis, and Dr. Laura Tatt, and myself, Sue Rose-Minihan. December 19th, we'll be right back talking about 200 years of air. That's uh, a light subject. we we'll make it deep. See ya. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Sagittarius, ruled by the largest of all planets, Jupiter, the Roman god, or Zeus by the ancient Greeks. By leaving a cycle based on power and powerlessness of life and death and regeneration, involving committed relationships, Sagittarius energy finds meaning for an expanded perspective and potential for actualization in their search for truth. As a mutable fire sign depicted by the centaur, Sagittarius is adventurous and seeks the beyond. Sagittarius travels to far places physically and mentally to find the truths of life.
2: Welcome. This is Leslie Francis, professional astrologer and author of the 2019 and 2020 Llewellyn Sunsign books. And you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, hosted by Sue Rose Minahan, every Saturday from 6 to 7 PM.
1: Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150.
0: Hi, and welcome back. We'll continue on this dialogue and introspection with my Planet Buzz members, and if you do subscribe, we can let you know when we return um, and update you. We've been talking about many aspects of air, yet there's one that, hopefully my members will come right back on the grid, that was brought up earlier, and that's with co-rulers. You know, Jupiter... Before Sa- there's this entire dialogue that Saturn and Jupiter make every 20 years at least, and along, and I just learned too that along with Neptune, but their conjunction really alters the Sun's uh, gravitational pull. Mm. That mm. Saturn helps because Jupiter wants it's such a big planet, it's the biggest one, wants to pull it off course, but Saturn. As it is time, and it is structure, and it is, and I'm thinking somewhat the Capricorn, but it is that necessary limit. It was in the ancient days, the furthest planet that we saw. And so it keeps that Saturn in. It has another nuclei nuclei of um, energy. At any rate, as we know that there's other forces coming up in January, although this is 200 years, but still, this is the seed point. You know that on the twenty-first, the sun will be at zero degrees Capricorn earlier in the day at two twenty a.m. Pacific time, um, which is a world point. There's cardinal. That's a cardinal energy. It's motion. I'm trying to keep some of our lay people, our non-astrologers, a little adrift of what we're speaking in our tongue. So at any rate, it's a potent. It's potent. And um, this struggle between old and new and deconditioning, reconditioning it goes back to what one of you I think was it Tara, I think, that said, "breaking to alchemize."
1: Hmm.
0: You know, so I'll let it rip here with the three of you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Well, one of the thoughts I had had when you were talking, Sue, in terms of looking at Saturn and time and the different way that it can be expressed in air as opposed to the more sort of Capricornian um, rigidity that time, the linearity of time, right, is more of the Capricornian energy. But curiously, clocks were invented during the air cycle. Wow. That, would, that when we're, there was actually not like a sundial clock, but a clock that was creating a this is universal time. This is how we are calculating time happened in the last air cycle. Communication. Time. Yeah, it's you know, communicating, communicating time. Ah, it's it's it as well as the first clock to strike on the hour, and, that's, and it still exists in Salisbury, England. Oh my gosh. Happened during the last cycle. So it is this, it's this recording of time, which is that communication, rather than the structure and order of time, which is Capricornian, that it's this recording and this recording, this documenting of time, I think is the different way that it manifests in the air manifestation of that, that gets back into the communication piece, that's the air quality and how we Can the language of time almost, for the lack of a better word? Well, and so that and that universality, we're talking about a universal language. Well, we universally agree that there are 60 minutes in an hour, and that that's that's a decided we all have decided that Greenwich
0: starts our time, Tara. You were burning.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, we made time up, right? So, I mean, time is not real, which is funny, for we say Saturn, the planet of reality, is linked up with time, and we know time, we made it up. So, that's a whole different conversation about Saturn. But I was thinking, um, as Dr. Tad was speaking, that the the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, if you think about time, time being associated with Saturn whatever Jupiter touches, it wants to expand our consciousness around it. It wants us to look at it in a new way. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to have a new relationship with time. We may, we may not need to be as bound by time as we think that we are, you know, and with those two being an Aquarius, which is a very, again, very liberating sign. I just feel like there's something about time. There's something about time itself that, you know, I don't know if you want to call it bending it or twisting it or changing it, but, so it's interesting if we came if we came up with some some of those ideas in another cycle, what would be the next step? Maybe you know, we we actually reinvent time now.
0: Well, the galactic center was actually photographed, and we it was you know it took a two year process, and it was back in I think April because I was riveted watching it. So it changed science and conceptual. Uh, um, relationship with one another as scientists, because I know one of the scientists that was saying that as of this moment on, what has changed is that a theory can actually be proven. Now, I mean, there's been a lot of theories, but the point was it was night and day. And as we know, though, every time there's some celestial uh, uh, realization, because it's our discovery, it's always been there it changes consciousness so maybe yep. that is connected
3: yeah. yeah well and that and and that changes everything I mean, if you want to think about this initiation we're going into this new era literally the past is meeting the future in the now or in the present so that's i mean one you could just totally geek out on that but i just mean in a very in a very literal practical way we can have a new relationship with it galactic center just and this is so we're actually in sagittarius season right now today as we speak Mercury is conjunct the sun in Sagittarius within one degree about of the of the galactic center. So we literally right now, if we're open to it, like there is an infusion of cosmic intelligence coming through. And I feel like the timing. Can you imagine this is happening right before this conjunction happens on this on the solstice? So that that to me is our universe helping us out, giving us that giving us more of that information. And we may not get it in an intellectual like oh i i hear that idea but i'm saying if you're open to it man yeah. the universe i mean we're part of it we can communicate it's like, yeah it's like skipping stones
0: i was just yeah. thinking of that you know like when you, i love to skip stones stones <laughs> uh, on the ocean You know, like, and so it's like these little aspects are hitting like ping ping ping, ping having vibrational shifts hmm. leslie what were you thinking
2: well and as Tara's talking about expanding time, I, perhaps part of this uh, period will involve us beginning to realize that there, we are multiple, we are, oh, for heaven's sake. Multiple systems. <laughs> I know what you're going to uh, say. Oh. My, no, uh, <laughs> we are multiple frequency beings. Yes. That, you know, that we, we allow time uh, to define maybe too
3: much. Yeah. And uh and I yeah. Yeah. 100%. There really in my belief there really is no past and future. There's all just just now and we are on different frequencies, different dimensions of now and we just pick the one we want to tune into, which is super cool because it means you can kind of pick what you want of yourself and from yourself and from those experiences if you're open to tapping into them and you're not trapped somewhere. You know, there's not a past that traps you.
2: You know, though, right. in, in, in a sense, you know, just the fact that we're doing this broadcast or oh, this yeah. podcast or <laughs> or both, uh, and we're all in different physical uh, times on the so. planet, and in this time, in this, see, I said the word time. In this space, there's actually no time except what the what this the moment. radio station says we have to talk. <laughs> yeah.
0: Dr. Tan, I know you're thinking something, too, and maybe this feeds into it and maybe I'll, I'll divert you. I don't know, but I know because you do think psychologically, as we all do, but you have that. And I'm just thinking, like, what would stop? people from thinking the moment right now. I mean, I know that I struggle with, in a sense, that conceptual thinking, Tara, and I admire so much the fact that you're rooted in it because I, it's like, oh, I want to believe. I'm not living that far. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all working on we're yeah, all working exactly. it. Okay, it's a work in progress. We, yeah. we process. Okay. Beautiful. But what I'm realizing is going back to the stories and the emotion it is a matter of integration, and there's that's really the whole self and what we're all driving for in astrology, at least our astrology, that I think we're talking about is mental, physical, and spiritual. And what I'm getting at is that, is because I remember earlier in the conversation about grief, you know, a, a very intense emotion, and certainly now with a lot of transformation, which we are definitely going through, I mean, we're talking about it in a cerebral sense, but really, the emotional part of it, or just thinking, trying to think of the, the devil's advocate or the monkey, what monkey can I throw in there to figure things up, um, is if a person is really grief-stricken or stricken, time has stopped, you know, hmm. but like frozen in that sure. framework. And so it there's... Um, yeah, I, I know, I'm not coming up with answers, but I'm just realizing some of the the struggle, you know, to to
1: adapt. Sure, I mean it's one of the one of the things that happens when people are from a clinical place psychologically, like from in shock, that they stop tracking time properly, like in the way properly, you know, yeah. as we've decided time should be tracked. <laughs> or
0: I fragment. I'm just like a shattered glass. <laughs> that, like, oh, you know, they'll things.
1: <laughs> ask you the same question. They've asked you five times and forget that you've already had a conversation. They just, you know, the ability to stay present becomes really compromised, um, whether that's grief or any sort of traumatic event. That tends to be that. the And often it's the psyche's way of protecting us right? It's like, oh, to avoid really being present in whatever has happened because it was so traumatic. It's like, you're not in the present moment because it's too intense. And so you're sort of half in your body, right? From a spiritual place. like, you know, people jump out of their bodies and they're awake, but they're not really present. Um, And so aren't tracking in a linear fashion. Um, You know, and I think that when we were talking about grief, the other day in preparation it was part of that also was about language and the language we have around grief and how or how you engage with somebody who's grieving and there's with this last year with the number of people that are jumping off planet in such large numbers the number of people that are grieving throughout the world right now learning to how to communicate with people in a way that is truly supportive and it's, you know, that asking people what they need, being part of this cycle too, that what do you need? How can I help? Rather than, oh, well, you know, that sucks. This will pass. I understand I lost somebody too. No. That's not supportive to people. Yeah. And finding new language around that, I think that comes back to all of it's like whether it's actual words of new language, but also the interconnectedness of language. You know, that's part of this theme too in the past. Is it's the Rosetta Stone. So you get these writings that are using multiple languages to tell the same story, to tell the same, share the same information, is finding the interconnectedness rather than language being what separates us. Oh, I speak English, you speak French, we can't talk to each other. It's finding the commonality in what we communicate and that it doesn't matter if the words we're using are different, we can still communicate.
0: And through the heart, through heart and compassion, which I will say, it brings me back the idea that if we're talking about air signs, the polarity point, because we are talking multiple astrologies, yet many of us here, all of us here also recognize fully the evolutionary astrology, which is soul growth. I mean, there's purposes always for everything, and that's a huge purpose is to develop uh, to to to, um, have soul growth. And the fact is, is that the opposite sign has strengths that can get us through our shadow side. So air can get too mental and needs to go from voice head down through the heart to express and share.
2: I I just wanted I just wanted to say something in 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 reference to what Laura was talking about, and that is that perhaps during this period of time we will stop, you know, imposing rigid timelines in terms of you know when you're supposed to have processed something like grief, you know the you know I mean, and I realize that Elizabeth Kubler Ross was a pioneer in this department, you know, identifying stages of grief, but the notion that you're supposed to go through them in a linear way. <laughs> and, you know, I think that part of what this conjunction is about is heralding a period of time in which it's not it's not just about pieces and categories and it's mm-hmm. going to be about overall experience. Because so much of, of Aquarius is about what's outside the known.
0: I don't know if that made any sense. It did in my head, but- I love it. No, we're, 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 we're sitting there looking at the unknown. You're, you're absolutely well, right. Well,
3: well, the great conjunction is in Aquarius. And I do think that after I say this a little bit, we should definitely talk more about the co-ruler of Aquarius being Saturn and Uranus because we really haven't done that justice and it definitely is worth looking at. But, So Aquarius, the sign that the Jupiter and Saturn are going to be in for the great conjunction, the polarity is Leo. For me, one of the ways I think about that axis between Leo and Aquarius is I think Leo being the sun and Aquarius being the whole solar system. And so it really is about integration between the two. The sun, there's I mean, the sun, all its energy, all its vitality, everything it brings means nothing without a solar system. Right. And so It it really is about finding our place within the whole solar system. So I I mean, Leslie, when you were talking, it made me think more about that too. That part of just kind of weaving those pieces together
2: and seeing the whole, seeing the
0: whole, not just the pieces and the parts. It's a beautiful. Uh, I keep thinking of the astrology of it because if we're talking air signs, you have the Gemini of communication and the Sagittarius of the belief structure that does want to see the whole and give voice to it. If we're talking about Libra of relationships, then we're talking about the self of Aries, which is becoming, but also the, it's, it's the, you know, then there you get into that cardinal square. There's also all of that meaning that the processing element in the fourth with the moon and all of that, that makes it personal to your journey, because I'm going back just to tie up a thread with the grief is that what makes me stop is it. And this goes back to the Leo and the Aquarius and Leo to recognize that we all have dignity, everybody and everybody can manifest and be a leader in the group and, and, and coexist just as we are here. And so if we were to look without the timeline which is a very valid uh yeah. point it gives dignity to that person's reality and it gives them it it gives the opportunity to to sh- communicate on some level just by being you know is that yeah. the other person you know like the uh, that person just being there in the area and the area Aries' way of connecting to their reality that it does exist because validation, we're so social, is a great medicine. You know, we it's not that we have to be right or wrong, but just that I see purple. Yeah, I can see there's a little purple
3: in that rainbow. You
0: know? <laughs> <It's all funny.
3: laughs> Well, when you think about the Aries and the Libra, to me, I mean it's the integration of me and we, right? So that it, that that's it's the same way if we look at Leo and Aquarius, at the sun and the solar system. Same with Aries and Libra, me versus we. So the, all of these really are about weaving, and all the fire signs, which are which are of course the polarities uh, to the air signs. Um, Those they're, they're all about self identity on some level. So there's also like there's this connection between me doing me and the rest of we and it just kind of which which level you want to look at it with when you look at the different air signs. Good. Well, let's
0: go then. I, I like this. Let's go
3: to that factor that you brought. You reminded
0: us, Tara, and I was going to at the half hour about the co-rulers, because mm-hmm. Saturn ruling Capricorn and Aquarius is really a. Uh, a, a a factor of looking at what works in the structure to keep and what we've been conditioned through perhaps the the art what's artificial in a sense because it's a structure that we've created for our own uh, tools of man-made people made I like people made humanity made <laughs> structures which also gets into the
3: binary of language which okay. I'll stop there. Well, oh, gosh. I, mean, I mean, Saturn, though, it's funny every time when I when I think about how, you know, Saturn's co-ruler of Aquarius. And then we we talk about how that is such a different. I don't know. Like, I mean, we know that how we feel about Saturn and Uranus is really different. Right. But I think in my mind, I challenge myself to say, is that just me doing that? Because maybe I have put Saturn in a box that it doesn't fully belong in. And I think that our society in general, we've done that with Capricorn too, right? Capricorn's a feminine sign. Man, we have masculinized the heck out of that thing. So, well,
2: yeah. yeah, well, that's, that, that's because, because it, it initiates things and, and of course, we have an assumption that it's only yeah, the
0: masculine yeah. that can initiate, right? But now we're getting into the binary thinking. Let's stop and think. If I might present the idea that, because I know that we get caught up in this just like everybody else, and we are we have a few minutes, that that one initiates and one receives. So Capricorn is a receiving sign. We could we could call it that way, but also it has a purpose. It has a purpose to keep things with a structure i mean we wouldn't even be standing if we didn't have a backbone and the universe even this uh, uh, jupiter in the expansion would throw the sun off if if saturn in its really nicely orbit that's very smooth say yeah we're this is the line i mean there is boundaries right there, there's a point of boundaries i'm not i will confess that there is. Well,
2: I, I just wanted to, as the only Aquarian in the group, uh, who's actually lived the, what appears to be opposite energies of Saturn and Uranus. Uh, yeah, it took me a long time, I must admit, to accept that Saturn had had a strong role in my life, even though it was pretty obvious in, in any possible way you might be able to measure. Um when they work well together, y- you know, you have the energy of, of change, but you have a foundation upon which to make that change.
3: As and opposed- you can actually make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> actually can make it happen.
2: As opposed to what, you know, because the biggest challenge for Aquarians is often resistance. You know,
0: I'm just, thinking, I know Dr. Ted has a thought, I can see her thinking here, but I'm going to say that it's just appearance. That the uh, Aquarius seems to be chaotic, according to the formatted structure that Saturn had. I was thinking of Picasso. You know, he knew the body inside out. I went to the museum in Seattle when I was living there, and I've seen books. I love art. Like you, Tara, you do a lot of art, mm-hmm. and um, but he threw He threw it. He threw the box out. I mean, you no, know, he was way outside like you know coloring outside the box like your show uh Leslie <laughs> podcast so it. So at any rate um that was my point that chaos which is akin to Neptune on the other side Pisces in the horoscope on the 12th sign is just from our uh, time it seems to be unorganized but it's just a new framework it's breaking
3: And and Saturn is a framework, no matter what the framework is, we're just used to seeing framework look a certain way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's what I mean. So if you say that Aquarius can be chaotic and Saturn rules Aquarius, well, by association. (laughs) (laughs) No, co-ruler. I am very firm about that in my own head. I would
0: allow um, (laughs) traditionalists to... In other words, it's like you don't allow, will you? you know, I, well, like this. That's a Saturn word. <laughs> you know, people can have any religion they want or no religion. People in astrology can have be Vedic, they can be, or eclectic, or you know everything else. But just don't tell me I can't have. And I'm not saying you are, that I can't have my way of thinking. I like co rulership. It's like, you know, I went to first grade, but that doesn't mean I threw out seventh, throughout first grade when I got to seventh grade.
1: Well, I think that part of that that co rulership or even just the way Saturn can be expressed in Aquarius is chaotic order. It's only it's the capricornian that makes the uh, this idea that order is only linear yes, yes. thank you I that's so. the rigidity of the capricorn yeah. that it has to be a b c yeah. well it could be a q that's yep. still an order yeah. maybe we don't see what the order is but there's still an order there and just because it's beyond our capacity with our human understanding to recognize the order doesn't mean it doesn't exist
3: Yeah. Exactly. In- we're already liberating Saturn. I can feel Saturn dancing right now. It's really oh,
2: good. I, I, just quick, I just have a quick story to share because it's very typical of what Laura just said. And that is when I was a journalist, I'd get an assignment and they said they wanted this. And I would go out and I would do a story that was kind of like that, but the content was not at all what they expected. Yeah. Well, I The energy I took, I let the story tell
0: itself rather than me imposing on it. And Saturn, thank you, Tara. I think we're we're getting, we just worked out what maybe society's worked out with this. But Saturn in in Capricorn is very spiritual. And we have not allowed that to be. I think when there is co-rulership, it has to do so many fronts that in some ways it releases it. to 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 have that identity and so it is a real relationship that with air i'm uh right now they're both in aquarius so they're both looking at that front this is a good point i will say next week we have cosmic collaboration and no scratch that it's the moonbeam team because there's a full moon coming up a potent one and tonight is Planet Buzz, and we have guest Dr. Laura Tad here on my, well, on the other side of me, and above would be Leslie Francis and Tara All. So check out uh, the website, subscribe, and we're glad to have you. And we're still talking about air, and we have a minute
3: here. We can talk about Can't and now me. nobody speaks. <laughs> I know. The <laughs> well, drum roll goes. You know what? I wrote down a couple of things about just Jupiter-Saturn together. To me, believe and become. Like that is the lovely marriage of those two. And that's been just sitting strong in my heart. So, yeah.
0: I like this. Believe and become. And we had said earlier, a village mentality versus tribalism. So I think it's cooperation cooperation was the dignity
1: dr cat Leslie um yeah well just to build an idea of I think uh, that traces back to this idea of like language universal language or communicating with each mm-hmm. other in a way that everybody can understand even if we use different words okay. that that yeah. heart connection or the intention behind it has Universal truth to it. There's a universal language, even if it's different words.
3: Yeah.
2: And I just want to say changing perceptual frameworks.
3: Ah, oh, to all right. Per- because perception is reality. So we can change that. Okay. Oh, YouTube, podcast, talk
0: cosmos, each of you, and all of you that are listening. We do love you. All right.
3: Bye. <laughs>